in the long term, we really have to go to very large scale and very high integrity reductions as we get into the more expensive, more difficult reductions that are further down the track. And so uh, one of the goals of the project is to show that aspirational direction for where we are really trying to get. This is an episode of the podcast series Spot on Climate, brought to you by the Climate Area of the Florence School of Regulation. Welcome everyone, I'm Albert Ferrari, Research Associate at FSR Climate. In this episode, I have the pleasure to welcome Susie Kerr, the Chief Economist of the Environmental Defense Fund. We will discuss with her the replicability of the project at Digit, and she's taking part in this project as an active member of the core expert group. The acronym DJET stands for Deepening International Cooperation on Emissions Trading. And the main activities of the project are a policy dialogue to facilitate the cooperation between ETS regulators, the comparative assessment of the carbon markets in which we focus the research, the core expert group advising the research team, as well as, of course, capacity building and dissemination activities. Susie, thank you for being with us. Thank you, Albert. It's a pleasure. We thought it could be insightful to discuss with you a replication of the project as you are leading another initiative, exploring international climate cooperation. So how useful do you think a project such as Live Digit is to enhance international cooperation? And how do you think the project could be extended in the future? So I have found it an extremely useful and interesting process. Um, it brings together some really smart, intellectually capable people who have led conversations among key stakeholders on issues that really matter. And it's, it's been done in such a way that the core team has brought together the key ideas. So they were in, in one coherent Uh, way they were presented in a clear way, the evidence was collated, and then it was able to be tested uh, with this, this wider group of people with diverse experience and ideas to test how how much we really do know about uh, the, the issues of concern and, and whether there are new directions that we need to go. And it's been a very lively and well-informed conversation to, to share ideas and experience. In terms of going forward, uh, I think that where we really need to go, and this is not just for life leadership, but, but way beyond that, is recognise that by 2030, 70% of emissions are going to be in developing countries. And so what we've been doing uh, in Europe and the US and New Zealand, where I'm from, is learning a lot about how to reduce emissions. We need to start really sharing that experience much more actively and working with developing countries to, to help them, to stand beside them as they work out how to transform their own economies. And there's a lot of shared experience that will be helpful there, but there are also some really Uh, gnarly new issues that, that we're all going to have to tackle together. That's indeed one of the core issues. So as I was mentioning, we are both working on projects enhancing international cooperation. Your project, uh, Climate Teams, is focused on new cooperative approaches across jurisdictions. And this could build upon 
Article 6.2 of the Paris Agreement, in particular the use of internationally transferred mitigation outcomes, in short, ITMOS. So could you tell us a bit more about the project climate teams and how uh, ITMOS work in general? So I'll start with the second question. How do internationally transferable mitigation outcomes work? And so these are happening under what's called Article 6 of the uh, Paris Agreement, which enables cooperation between countries to achieve the Paris goals. And essentially it it is uh, one country that believes that they can uh, contribute more in terms of resources to reducing global emissions than they're able to do within within their own boundaries uh, because they're getting to the point where uh, more rapid mitigation becomes uh, extremely costly and inefficient and it's better to do it slightly slower. Working with uh, other countries who are willing to transform their economies faster, they're really committed to getting to net zero, but they're just really short of resources. And so they're struggling to achieve what might be still relatively low-cost short-term mitigation options. And together, they can do much better. So that's the the challenge that we're trying to address. And uh, the particular approach that we're using in climate teams is trying to create a a really high-quality approach to that because people have been very sceptical about what lots of people call offsets, um, I prefer to call credits that get traded between countries because our history has been that a lot of those have not really reflected true reductions. So we need to think about how do we create mechanisms so that we have confidence that if a country like New Zealand um, or, or Italy invests with another country to reduce emissions in a country like, say, Chile or Vietnam, then there really will be a difference made uh, from from that effort and those resources. And one of the things that, as well as the integrity issue that's been problematic in the past, is that a lot of our efforts have been very focused on specific projects. they involve, those efforts involve a lot of transaction costs. So there's a lot of effort put into development of projects and creation of baselines and filling in paperwork. And that diverts from the effort that can go into real transformation. And also those little projects, while they can be terrifically useful because they lead to learning, uh, they can be innovative, uh, there can be a lot of information sharing through those projects, they don't easily add up to transforming a whole economy to net zero. And none of the richer countries, none of the OECD countries are doing their mitigation effort entirely through a series of projects. We are all making changes in our laws. We're building different infrastructure. We're implementing things like emissions pricing. We have a a much wider set of policies that we're using to transform, and we need to enable that wider set in developing countries as well. So the idea of climate teams is that we go to the largest scale that is possible within a country that could be uh, the entire energy sector, it could be the entire country. We create a baseline for what that country could be expected to do on their own uh, at that that high level. That could be related to the uh, nationally determined uh, contribution that those countries are committed to. It might be a little more ambitious than that. 
And then we agree on that as a baseline. And over time, we compare that to actually monitored emissions through national inventories and see how are they actually doing on a large scale? Are they moving towards transformation uh, at an even faster rate than their nationally determined contribution? And if they are, then that means that uh, it would be worth investing more in them uh, and, and paying for uh, the credits that could be created. So the credits in that instance would be the difference between monitored emissions and this, this agreed baseline, those could turn into these ITMOs or internationally transferred mitigation outcomes. And then the countries who are supporting that activity, so the Italy or the, the New Zealand, um, can claim some credit for those reductions that are happening in Chile or in Vietnam as part of our contribution to global cooperation under the Paris Agreement. Yeah, what, what you do through climate teams is very important. I also now see the, yeah, how it contribute not only simply to international cooperation in general, but also in supporting both the developing countries and also the more developed countries to achieve their target. In the future, how do you see the prospects of the project climate teams? Um, in developing uh, new cooperative approaches, ethmos, what are the next steps? So, I'm I'm optimistic. Uh, in fact, I'm extremely optimistic. I think we're already seeing some real effects just from shifting the conversation and the way we are thinking about supporting cooperation and the way our partners in the project are thinking about cooperation. So. Um, to actually get a full economy-wide climate team uh, operating on a large scale is quite a scary thing for countries because you're not just supporting one clearly defined project. Uh, it requires a level of trust and a level of investment that is much, much larger. So for a country of the size of Chile, which is not a particularly big country, you're talking about billions of dollars of, of cooperation. So while that's the level of cooperation that is needed, it's not something that countries have done so much before, at least not smaller countries. Uh, so I'm not necessarily anticipating that we're going to get that full agreement very fast. It's not going to happen at the next conference of parties meetings in, in Glasgow, for example. Well, if it did, I would be pretty astonished. Um, but I think we are moving the conversation towards making that possible in the next few years and towards Chile actually having a stronger uh plan for how they are going to reach and exceed their existing nationally determined contribution, which is already reasonably ambitious. And we have been come, we have begun to build the cooperation between the countries, uh, which were already countries. In this team, we're working with Switzerland, New Zealand and Chile. They already uh, work together quite a lot. And we're building that cooperation even stronger so that uh, Chile is able to benefit from some of the experience from New Zealand and Switzerland. That's helping them to move forward in ways they weren't before. But also, New Zealand is learning from Chile. 
because there are some aspects of what Chile is doing that are ahead of where New Zealand is at. So you're already getting some of that that positive benefit for both countries' efforts. So the other thing about the Climate Teams project is that it is ambitious and I think it's the only sort of approach that I have seen that can work in the long term to really get us to net zero. So although it's definitely not the only approach that can be taken uh, in the short term, in the long term, we really have to go to very large scale and very high integrity reductions as we get into the more expensive, more more difficult reductions that are further down the track. And so uh, one of the goals of the project is to show that aspirational direction for where we are really trying to get. We need to be thinking about economy-wide transformation and working together to, to achieve that transformation. And, and this conversation on climate teams, which has started with a small group of what are very small countries, expand and is beginning to expand out to larger countries, more diverse countries, uh, and uh, just just a wider a set of cooperation. We're confident that that's broadening this conversation and moving uh, all of us towards thinking at a larger scale in the way that we have done previously for deforestation. We moved up from projects, which were very useful for learning in the early stages, to what we now accept is the best approach for dealing with deforestation, which is having baselines and crediting uh, for international transfer, particularly at a uh, jurisdiction or a, or a very large scale. So there's that experience that we can learn from, from the deforestation space. We're still learning in that space too, but the climate teams is taking that sort of thinking into, into the wider, wider sphere. The other thing that we're really trying to bring into climate teams, which I also think is going to be critical, whether this happens through climate teams or through other initiatives, is bringing together the private efforts that are happening through the voluntary market, through the um, efforts to have disclosure for companies and for finance, bringing those private sector efforts uh, together with the the public sector efforts so that they are complementing each other. And so that private actors who want to invest in a country choose to invest in countries that are actively trying to transform and they actively support those countries, both the governments and the private sector in those countries, in implementing a comprehensive, cohesive plan for transformation, rather than just going into little pockets and making a little bit of progress in specific sectors or companies. Thank you, Susie. So the, in the last question, I wanted to go a bit deeper in what, uh, what's the project about uh, by asking uh, an exercise question. So. You're familiar with Live Digit, its goal, its reports, its dialogue, the stakeholder participating. Uh, you were mentioning the importance of involving the private sectors, of not focusing only on, let's say, the developed countries. So if a similar project, similar project of Live Digit were to be developed to foster its most expansion, which jurisdictions, stakeholders, 
which research topic would you focus on in the scope? So I would, as you can probably predict from my earlier comments, I would move towards a focus on, on developing countries and, and expanding in that direction. And I would think about that in terms of um, countries that are diverse across the regions um, and also in terms of scale, some smaller countries, some larger countries. But I would keep very close involvement of the existing partners who've developed this really wonderful collaboration and who really need to work with these developing countries. In terms of topics within those, and one of the great strengths of life Deutschland is the experience with emissions pricing and that, that should be maintained as, as a central part of, of these conversations because that's a comparative advantage of this process. And to implement carbon pricing both within countries and across countries so that there can be trades across countries, the new issues um, well, very much in developing countries for, for carbon pricing, the equity issues uh, for distribution of, of cost burdens and benefits and making sure that co-benefits from pricing efforts uh, are actually being received by, by the, the people who most need them is an issue that is even more acute in developing countries. And that's something we're learning a lot about for carbon pricing mechanisms. Also, I think transparency of effort is a really important issue. And there's been a lot of very good work done on improving monitoring processes within developing countries and continuing those processes uh, to improve monitoring of emissions, but also um, getting better indicators of how much people are trying to reduce emissions because seeing emissions reduce is one thing, but they could be reducing for all sorts of different reasons, or they could be increasing despite people's efforts to reduce them. So one of the directions that, that we're really moving to support our climate team's work is getting a network of people who are doing modeling of decarbonization. And again, we're building on, on years of other people's work in this space as well. But getting strong models of decarbonization happening within the countries and then creating a sharing of knowledge between countries so that we understand each other's models and we have better transparency of really how realistic are those models and how ambitious are the commitments that people are making because you can see into the models. So instead of just using very simple formulas to assess ambition, you're really able to understand what the actual difficulties are of changing things within a country. And that helps build trust. It helps uh, work out what are the problems we need to jointly solve in order to make that happen. And, and it helps us, us work together much better. So I think that's um, one area where LifeDietsch could really help to promote uh, that improved understanding, understanding what the difference is between effort and observed emissions. And the other would be uh, potentially broadening beyond emissions pricing. And this would be a, a question for whether LifeDietsch is the right group to do this, to understanding how pricing and 
um, enforceable limits fit within a wider set of policies and even private sector actions and how those different policies would apply in different uh, contexts, different cultural contexts, uh, different institutional contexts, and and what we can what we can learn from each other to to make those policies more effective. Well, thanks, Susie, for your insight. So it's really interesting to learn about as the host, but also as uh, the, yeah participating in your project live digit. Um, good luck for your project. And I hope the common path that we started identifying will also open new doors of collaboration. Thank you, Albert. I look forward to continuing to work together. This has been a great collaboration. Our pleasure. And thanks, everyone, for listening to Spot on Climate. You can find information on the Project Climate team below in the description. And stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs>